Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? You guys wide awake? Happy to be in church? I'm happy to see you in the room. Thanks for joining us online as well. Well, is everybody digging deep this January? I got a lot of puns on Monday. It was like, yeah, we were digging deep in the snow, Pastor Brent. (laughs) Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you dug out so we can see you. Has everybody got their journal with you today online? If you didn't get one last week, there's one on your seat. Week one was prayers to pray. Hopefully you went through that Monday through Friday again. If you, you can use this anytime. And even though this week we're going to be focusing on scripture reading, it doesn't mean you shouldn't pray this week. <laughs> I'm not taking prayer out of your life, even though we are going to be focusing on scripture uh, this week. If you're watching us online, you can come by the church anytime and pick up uh, one of these books that we have had printed. You can also download one on our website. So week two says scriptures to read. So let's just turn over there real quick. I read this again this morning and I really liked it because I wrote it. Um, except for the scriptures. I didn't write the scriptures in between part. I thought, wow, that was really good. I'm really happy with myself. Um, so again, you turn the next page, Monday. So it's easy to remember what we're doing on Monday. And then tomorrow, the goal is for you to read the whole of the book of Philippians. Now it's only four chapters, so relax. It's not a hard read. It's a difficult, it's not a difficult read. It's a good read. It's one of the letters to the church that Paul, the apostle Paul wrote. And then just to write some things down about that and to think about it, meditate on it. The scripture is supposed to be meditated upon, thought about. Meditation is not a bad thing. Um, when we think about the word of God, it can become part of our lives and then we can act upon it. And so what I've done every day this week for uh, the readings that I've just recommendation for you is given you a little bit of background on the book um, that is written, history, different things like that. And, you know, understanding the context of what you're reading is such an important thing as it relates to reading, to this, reading the scripture. And, you know, any good pastor wants uh, people to read the Bible, the scripture, but it's also, under, it's also really important to understand what you're reading, where it came from, that what was the purpose of the book that was written. And so all of those things will help you going forward. You know, one of the good sources, there's a lot of great Bible sources um, online. Biblehub.com is a great place to go. They've got a lot of commentaries, a lot of different things on that website to help you to understand the scripture. So I recommend that uh, to you as well. So, all right, digging deep. Last week, we talked about prayer. This week, we're going to be talking about the scripture. And now when we look in the scripture, just the word Bible itself, it's such an important, you know, we, we have a book that we call the Bible, but this isn't just one book. It's great to think of, I'm reading a book right now and one of the way he described the scripture is this is like walking into a library that was written and forged over 1500 years. So it's not just one book, it's a collection of books that throughout this amazing book, we see the storyline of God, this, this great narrative of the scripture. And it can be thought of like this, and I hope you're taking notes today. Creation, fall of man, advent, life of Jesus, crucifixion, resurrection, and salvation. And that is the story arc of the scripture. So it's an amazing thing to think about, a book that's written over a 1,500-year period many um, human writers, one author, the Holy Spirit, giving us this ark 
in the scripture to see the story of God, to see what God is trying to tell us. So as we walk through the scripture, it's really important for you to think of, you know what, I'm walking into a library. And when you walk into a library, what... What do you think about, you know, they have uh, or a library or a bookstore, they have books in different categories, right? There's like the history section, there's like the fiction section and all these different things. And when we go into the scripture, it's really important to know what type of book that you're reading. Because in the scripture, there's history, there's law, there's poetry, songs, there's wisdom, there's prophecy, there's letters, epistles to the church, And there's different uh, things written within the scripture. There's parables. There's examples in the scripture, good and bad examples. There's a lot of bad examples. And sometimes we see those bad examples and we think, is God telling me to do that? Because there's a bad example in the scripture. No, the bad example is you, you don't repeat that pattern and fall into those same problems. There's metaphor. There's hyperbole. So there's all these uh, different devices being used. So again, so we don't want to read a metaphorical section and think, is this history? We want to actually know what we're reading, what section of the Bible we are reading. And once we understand those background pieces, man, the Bible will come alive to us. We will see the word of God and we will understand the word of God, knowing that there's this big arc that God is telling throughout the scripture. See, what God is getting across to us in the scripture, and one again, the the scripture, ultimately it's a wisdom book, how to live in this world, how to live in this world, having a relationship with God from that place, um, knowing how to live the giver of life. This is not a science book, all right? So, and, and thank God for science and all, all science is doing the method, you know, the, the scientific method that we use today, it's discovering all of God's creation. And so that's the good thing. We never have to be afraid of science as Christians. And, uh, but again, this is not a science book. No, nobody wrote a science book uh, for many, many years until the scientific method came along. And so we don't want to confuse what the book is, but it is giving us wisdom of life. And sometimes old wisdom can seem heavy or it can seem irrelevant because the world has changed. New new technology is great, but new new ideology inspired untested knowledge that is attempting to become wisdom is not. And there's a whole bunch of new ideologies out there in the world that are written and thought about for a bunch of different reasons. And we don't necessarily know what those reasons are. And then they're propagated in culture. And then we're living those things out and we don't actually know why. And when we think about God's word, we think about um, what people say. You know, what people say is so important to us right now. And, and it's easy to have a discussion nowadays. Did you hear what they said? And we're like, no, what did they say? And we could just Google it. And we could just find out what they said. What did they say? And we could be really excited about what they say because we approve of it. We approve of this message. Or we can be really angry at what they said. And what people say is so important to us. But shouldn't the word of God, what God is trying to say to us, Shouldn't, have that the, shouldn't that have the highest place in our lives? The, the highest thoughts that we can think could be the word of God, the purposes of God, the message coming from God. 
that's what the words that we say, that it's a message coming from us, right? To, to our families, to our coworkers, to our friends. We're communicating something that's on the inside of us. What about the word of God? That God himself is communicating something to us about this life and the life that is to come and how to live it. And what does abundant life look like? And again, a lot of it is found in a story. There's just a lot of stories in the scripture. And so we have to pull out from the narrative, what is God trying to tell us? What is the message? And then obviously the ultimate expression of the word of God is Jesus. And we did a whole series on that a little while ago. So 2 Timothy chapter three, if you have your Bible this morning, let's turn over there. 2 Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says this. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The scripture is breathed out and what the scripture being talked about at this moment, because when Timothy, when Paul was writing this to Timothy, Paul wasn't thinking that what he was writing was gonna be part of the canon of scripture one day. What he was writing to Timothy about was what we call the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And what is he saying? It's, it's breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. Does everybody like correction? No, you don't. We don't like it. And the problem with correction, when it comes from other humans, is that you're human. We know all your mistakes and you're trying to correct me. But what we should think about as it relates to the word of God, that God himself should be able to correct us, redirect us, train us, reprove us for training for righteousness, verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So God is training us, retraining us with his words, his thoughts. First Timothy chapter four, verse six says this. But if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of, good, of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irrelevant, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, and we know that's true, right? To train our bodies to physical exercise. Maybe we're embarking on some sort of new physical exercise routine here in, in January. And when you start that, it doesn't feel good, does it? But we know that there's value in the training. We know that there's value in cutting back our calories. Can I get an amen? So there's, there's good things as it relates to our body, but the same way with our spiritual lives or our internal lives, that's something that we would be retrained. Godliness is of value in every way. Godliness living our lives in line with God, with the original intention of creation. Last week, we were talking about prayer. We talked about the importance of aligning our asking with the word of God, because that is the thing, those are the things that God wants to do. And it's the same way with being trained by the word of God. God has a way for us to walk in abundant life. Jesus came that we would have abundant life. The scripture talking about Jesus. So this alignment 
when we walk in the ways and the purposes of creation, this is what we will discover. This is what we will experience. This is godliness. Finding the ways of God, discovering the ways of God. For while bodily training has some value, godliness is a value in every way as it holds the promise for the present life and also for the life that is to come. So as we look at the word of God, as we look at the Bible, as we look at the scriptures, my question is for you today, and I know Christians will always answer that, what, who is our God? Well, we would say, you know, the God of the scripture, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of creation, as the Bible talks about. And we would all automatically say that. But the deeper question I have for you, the the honest question that I have for you, you don't have to answer out loud. Who is your functional God? In other words, whose words do you actually function by in your day to day? Whose words, as we sang about, has the highest authority in our lives? Who do we give the final say to? What, what, what is our Magna Carta? What is our North Star? What is our personal constitution? To use a, a country metaphor. The, these are the words that we live by in Canada. But what are the words that I live by in my life? Honestly. Where are they coming from? Are they truly honestly coming from the principles and the thoughts from God's word? Or are they just coming from my desires? I want this and I feel this in this moment, so I'm gonna act upon that. See, and what the scripture is, is this great uh, revelation in the scripture about the nature of man, what it means to be human. And we see over and over again, if we're honest with ourselves, in the good and the bad examples in the scripture. And sometimes it hurts when we see ourselves in the bad example that we know we're not actually walking in the ways of God. We're just walking in the ways of our desires. We're just walking in the ways that I would want in this moment. Because here's what I would say, looking at the culture that we live in, a contemporary creed, a creed is just something, you know, a statement of faith. A contemporary creed is something like this. I will define myself. I will define my identity the expression of the truth in me and my deep desires is the ultimate expression of my humanity. It's something like that. Would you agree? You know what I'm talking about? If you observe culture as it is, that's, that's a little bit of the, the modern creed that we're living under. And it starts out with I. This is what I want. This is what I'm feeling in this moment. This phrase that people use all the time now, this is my truth. So truth is not something that I'm discovering or understanding as objectively there. It's just, this is true. This is true for me. It might not be true for you. And these are how conversations go. And within that context, it's very easy just to make ourselves our God just to make what I feel God, to make what I feel and what I think the highest authority. So what I'm asking for you just to think about, where does my 
personal constitution, North Star, creed come from? Is it actually coming from God the creator, purposes for my life, what he's placed on the inside of me to do, the meaningful life that he wants me to live? Or is it just coming from the world around me? Is it just coming from the movies I watch, the music I listen to? Is it just coming from those places? And and the reality is all of us have a mix of those two things going on because we're not necessarily considering in every moment of the day, is this thing that I'm doing really inspired by God? Because a lot of it is just habit. A lot of it is just habits that we're doing. We force ourselves, generally speaking, in January to think about what we're eating about, what we're eating rather. And then we realize I wasn't eating some good stuff. Does anybody know what I'm saying? We're like, oh, I'm gonna pause and think about this. Some of the stuff that I was eating actually wasn't good for me. Do we do that with the thoughts that we think? And the thoughts that we think, where did they come from? Why do I think this way? Why, you know, when I read that creed, someone was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick my destiny. I'm gonna choose my way. I'm gonna define myself. I'm gonna pick my identity. These are all things that are popularized in our culture. But it's not the way of God. The way of God would be to yield to the one who's created you because you did not create yourself. A humble thought, because you didn't create yourself, was like, hey, there actually has to be a purpose from my creator. I actually have, my life actually has meaning and it has a reason because I didn't create myself, didn't self-manifest. So there's gotta be a purpose from my, from my creator for my life. So here's the temptation that we all face. I hear what the scripture says, but I think this. I hear that the scripture says this, but this is what I think. And then what if we hear what the scripture says and do what I think? Who is our functional God in that moment? Who is the functional God? It's I, it's me. And then we become slaves to the culture that we live in. Sometimes unknowingly, because we don't actually think, why do I think like this? Why do I think like this? Why do I think that this is true? So we have to wrestle with the scripture. Jacob wrestled with the angel, wrestled with God. And, and, And the story is that God wins the wrestling match. But it's this easy to be like, oh, I don't think like that. So you just walk away from the word of God. But what God wants you to do is he wants you to wrestle with his will for your life. He wants you to understand that he's okay with the thought that you have questions about his will. That's what Israel means. Israel means to wrestle with God. So it's okay to have questions. It's okay to have wonderings, but don't dive out of the ring, stay in the ring and wrestle with the will of God. Wrestle with what's ultimately true. 
as I said there, what the scripture does a great job of exposing to us human nature. We're going to read here about the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. Did you know that the Ten Commandments were found in Exodus 20? Now you do. <laughs> and there, there's always a great debate about the Ten Commandments. Do we believe the Ten Commandments? Should we have them posted in halls of justice, schools? Should we not? The big fight about the Ten Commandments. It comes from one religion, so we don't want to offend people from another religion. Let's just read here the Ten Commandments, and let's find a little bit of our own human nature. Exodus 20, verse 1 says, And God spoke these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So again, here the Ten Commandments written to this first generation of the children of Israel. God purposing to separate them from the ways and the thoughts of Egypt. They had lived in Egyptian bondage for 400 years. So here, this initial audience is hearing, I'm separating you from the world. I'm separating you from the ways of sin. I'm separating you from this Egyptian culture. Verse 3 Command number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number two in verse four, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that anything in the earth beneath or that there is water under the earth. Verse five, you shall not bow down to them or serve them for I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of your fathers on the children on the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Verse six, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse three, sorry, commandment three, verse seven, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So those first three are about God the creator, establishing your life on God the creator and not Egyptian idols. So all of the things being addressed in those first three commandments about all about the realities of life in Egypt. God now separating the children of Israel from those realities. Verse four, sorry, verse eight, commandment four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work on your son or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Verse 12, commandment five, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. Verse 13, commandment six, you shall not murder. Verse 14, commandment seven, you shall not commit adultery. 15, commandment eight, you shall not steal. 16, commandment nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Verse 17, commandment 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. No, you shall cover your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. The 10 commandments, Exodus 20, 
good Bible information to have. So when we think about these laws, here we have the word of God, God speaking to Moses, Moses conveying this to the children of Israel. Now, when we think something that is revealed by God, in other words, it is the ultimate truth. It is just true. We don't actually have to agree with it or believe it for it to be true. It is true. It's not true for me and true for you. It's not true in Canada and not true somewhere else. It is just true. It's just something established by God. And ultimately, when we think about God's word, it's, it's the pinnacle thing. We can't reason past it, right? We're not gonna go back into some of those and be like, you know, you shall not commit adultery. It's like, yeah, but I, I really want to. I really feel like I want to. And that is the story why people commit adultery, right? They're feeling captured them. Their feeling in that moment, even though they knew it wasn't right, what became God in that moment? Their desire overtook them. And has anyone ever heard a good adultery story? Do you know what I'm saying? Has anyone heard a story where somebody committed adultery in their marriage and then the spouse was like, this is a great day. Is that the story we tell? Is that the story that we tell in the movies today? No. What, what, is, what is the adultery story? You missed the mark. You sinned. That's what sin means, miss the mark. And then what happens when you commit adultery? What's, what's on the other side of the adultery? It's, there's pain and there's destruction. And you, you stepped out of the purposes of God. You stepped out of God's created order. And then we find destruction. So if we think about that for a moment, we never have to be afraid of the commands of God, the thoughts of God. They, they keep us in the purposes of life. They keep us in the path. They keep us in the way of life, the way of abundant life. But the struggle again, always, is will my desires, my thoughts, become my functional God? This is the story of the scripture. This is the story of reality itself. This is the story of the world that we live in in 2022 right now. There's nowhere to run from this idea. So what we want to do, we want to discover the ways of God, or we should want to not just be creating our own, our own thing, our own destiny. We're, we're not old enough. Do you get it? We're not smart enough. We didn't create the life that we live. So to think that I don't have to yield it to anything, anything true beyond myself, we would just know it. We would just know it's foolish. Because everything we have, all of the inanimate objects that we have in our lives, we know there's a purpose for them, right? You pull out a fork out of your drawer, you know that the, there's a purpose for that thing. Is there not a purpose for your life? 
beyond what you can just think or feel. This is the story of God. A, a revelation of human nature. So there's all of these rules for another 12 chapters. God goes through all of these rules and there's an extrapolation of all of these rules in the book of Leviticus. And once again, it's hard for us to understand some of the commands in Leviticus because these aren't things that we struggle with, but what God was doing, he was separating Israel from all of these ungodly created gods. And then we get to chapter 32. So God spoke to them from on high. God gave them true words that they didn't create, but they had to discover. Listen, and find yourself in this story. When the people saw that Moses delayed come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said, up, make us gods. In other words, create a God for us. We don't know where Moses is. He hasn't come down. He's been up on the mountain for 40 days. They've been living in this culture. They've been living in Egyptian culture. And in Egyptian culture, you would just build a God. You would just build a deity. You would create a creator. Human nature has not changed. Uh, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, this man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, in other words, the guy who brought him through the Red Sea, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said, take off your rings of gold that are in your ears and your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from them in the land and fashioned it. He fashioned it with a graving tool. He he fashioned a God for them. Do you hear this? They created their own God. Verse six, and when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow there shall be a feast to the Lord. And he rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought a peace offering. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Verse seven, the Lord said to Moses, go down for your people who you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. God revealing his word to the children of Israel, the purposes for them, but what did they do? They just created their own God. And they corrupted themselves and have turned aside quickly out of the way. And I have commanded them and made for them a golden calf and had worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen people and behold, it is a stiff necked people. And now, now therefore let me alone that I, my wrath may burn hot against them. I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation of you. They corrupted themselves. They created their own God. And, and my statement about, about the version of what the contemporary cultural creed is, that's what it is. It's a created God. It's the highest words to live by 
in 2022 according to culture, that I am gonna define myself, that I am gonna create my destiny, that I, human nature hasn't changed. We're not building a calf and worshiping it, but we are worshiping ourselves. We are worshiping something of our own creation. Can you see that? And again, the danger for us as Christians, this is the world we live in. This is what's coming through the screens that we watch. And I'm, I'm not saying all of this because we need to run for the hills. We don't need to run for the hills. We need to live in the world, but not be of it. We need not to corrupt ourselves with just, I am my own God. And I'm gonna create a God that just fits my desires. That's my highest thought. And you understand, if your, your highest thought functions as your God. I don't know if you've ever listened to atheists talk. I have, I listen to a lot of Christian atheist debates. It's kind of a waste of time, most of the time. But atheists have a God, do you understand? They don't believe in the metaphysical God that created the world, but they ha- their thinking is their God. Their thinking functions like a God. And we can look down our nose at the atheists and be like, oh my gosh, they don't believe in God. And I believe in God, but do I, do I function like that? Or do I actually, okay, God, I know I think like this and I know your word says this. I have to change myself into what you say. I have to align myself with your words and your, because I didn't create myself. See what, let me just give you one example, just one, because there's, there's many. Politics or your political affiliation can function like your God. Let me, let me tell you how. The party I vote for is a reflection of me and what I like and I look at the policies of my political party and I love these policies. You love yourself. And so politics can become your God. And again, if we, I always like to, you know, condescend to Americans because of my wife, but let's look down at the States, friends. A lot of people walking away from God, but politics is rushing in to be their God. Can you see it? Can you see that it's happening? And it it functions like God for them. And it could function like God for us. That's the part that we need to think about. Not other people and what they're doing or not doing is, man, I want God to be my God. I want the creator God. I want God who sent Jesus. I want God who understands life because he created life. I wanna walk in that way. 
I don't want to pretend at 52 years old that I understand everything at all times and I shall manifest my own destiny. It would be a foolish thing to do whatever your age. Are you thinking with me this morning? So Jesus here, Matthew 22, helps us to read our Bibles. Are you ready? How do we read our Bibles? How do we read the word of God? Matthew 22, verse 34 says this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Have lawyers changed? (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Lawyers, we love you. We need you. Especially to tithe, whatever. All right. (laughs) Verse 36. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? What is the great? What is the, what is the pinnacle in the law, the old covenant in the old Testament? We're, we're looking at these stories and these narratives and we're looking at the 10 commandments and we're looking at the commandments um, of, you know, all of these things that we see. And it's so hard to understand what it might actually mean. What is the greatest that we know that there's 10 and there's a bunch more, but could you just pick one? Pick one of those things and tell us what, what the greatest one is. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So what did Jesus do? Did Jesus quote one of the, the Ten Commandments? But what Jesus did here is he extracted the truth from the first three, all of who is your God? Don't, don't serve these other gods. Don't create a God for yourself. Don't worship other gods. Don't worship yourself. Jesus pulled out of the story, what is it? Love God. The law, don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. Keeping us safe, keeping us in the guardrails. But then when you mature and you grow up, you need a why beyond the don'ts. And the why of the first three commandments is that we, from all of our being, how we think from our heart, we would love God. That all of our affection, the center of our hearts, is saying, God, I want to hear what you say. Did you hear what they said? Oh my gosh, let's Google it. Did you hear what God said? The one that you love? Do you you hear the call? Do you hear how Jesus is helping us to live our lives, to have this affection for God, a totalizing affection, not just part of our lives, but what we think and what we feel, all of our strength, all of our energy goes to God himself, the giver of life, the creator of life, the revealer of truth.
Jesus says, the greatest thing that you're gonna see, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, the whole story, what is, what is the whole story telling us? This is what it's telling you. You need to love God. See, and when we love God, we love his word. Jesus didn't repeat the story. Listen, he told us what it meant. What does it mean? What does the story mean? This is, will help us because this is not a science book. And we are, we are science people. We think this the scientific method, but this is not written according to the scientific method. It's written so that we could have meaning and we could have purpose and we can understand what life is all about. So what does it come down to for Jesus? Like, you know what? You need to love God continues with the, hey, we're going to love people. So how do we not break the laws? Well, we do something. We're not not doing anything. We're living our lives. Man, I'm going to love God. I'm going to love God passionately with all of who I am. And when I love God passionately with all of who I am, his words what he says mean the most. On a human level, husbands and wives, guys, what your wife said needs to mean a lot to you. Wives, what your husband says needs to mean a, needs to mean a lot to you. Why? Because you love each other. So I want to understand what you say, right? Don't we want to understand what God is saying to us? God, I want to understand what you're telling me. Last verses here. James 1, 25, sorry, James 1, 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. What are the things that are functioning like our God that are detrimental to our future, detrimental to our lives and our relationship, those things we put away. And then meekly, humbly, we come to God and say, God, I want to discover your will for my life. You are the creator of life. You are the one who causes my heart to beat. The breath in my lungs, uh, you are the one that created it. I'm not gonna try to pretend that I can define myself and create my own destiny. Humbly coming to the word of God. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away and forgets what he is like. But the one who looks to the perfect law the law of liberty and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer, he will be blessed in his doing. So here we take it right down where life is from all of these things that I've had you to think today. Hopefully I've stretched your mind a little bit. 
But here's what it comes down to. Doing the word of God, the ways of God, the thoughts of God, that's the blessed life. Doing my own, what I can create, what I can come up with, some sort of half reflection of culture and what it says and what I should do and how I should operate in 2022. And you just need to be free. But here, true freedom is found in doing the ways of God. Because doing your own thing, doing just the ways of your desire, misses the mark, causes pain. It's sin. God doesn't want us to sin. He wants to live in his love. Jesus pulled out out of the whole Old Testament. What is the greatest thing? Love God. Let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you for your goodness today. We thank you for your word. God, we want to know what you are saying to us. So we pray, Lord, as we spend intentional time with your word today, we pray that you reveal to us Jesus. We pray that you show us Jesus all throughout the scripture, that you sent Jesus to die for us, that you sent Jesus because you love us, that you sent Jesus because you want to be in relationship with us. God, and we take seriously the call to love you. Not just love ourselves and not just love our own thoughts and not just love our own personal creeds, but God, we want to love you and your ways because Jesus came that we would have abundant life. God, and that's the life that we want to live, the one that you created for us, the one that you purposed for us. So Lord, we make a commitment to put down our desires and not make them our functional God. We look to you. We thank you, Lord, that we can come to you and ask questions and you can reveal yourself to us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are in the room today or you are watching us online, as we have mentioned before and we talked a little bit about today that Jesus is the main figure of scripture. Old Testament is pointing to the fact that a savior is coming, the fact that we need a savior. And then Jesus comes, he shows up. He lives a sinless life. He fulfills all of the law for us, takes our sin on the cross. And because he did that, he offers us a relationship with himself. And all we have to do is receive that relationship. It's called righteousness. Righteousness just means right standing with God. So God offers that to us as a gift and all we have to do is receive that gift. So I'm gonna pray a prayer this morning. If you have never done that today, I invite you to pray along with me just a starting point of your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is a lifetime journey, but you have to start somewhere. So let's all bow our heads and close our eyes in church. Let's pray this out loud together with those that might be doing it for the first time. The same thing, if you are watching at home, you pray along with us as well. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on a cross and you raised him from the dead. 
so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, we congratulate you today if you did that for the first time. We believe it's the best decision that you could make. We actually have some materials that we would love to put into your hand if you said yes to Jesus today for the very first time. If you just head out to the info desk in the lobby, one of our team members will be out there and they will be happy to give you those materials just to start your journey of faith. Same thing, if you are online, we would love to get those materials into your hand if you just email us at info at thecitychurch.ca and we will send you those same materials. Just a reminder about a couple of things that we have coming up. We have worship and prayer night um, this Wednesday in person, 7 p.m. And I believe we're also streaming. But if you want to be in the building, you can register for that uh, today. I believe it's opening up. And then also uh, for married and engaged couples, we have John and Helen Burns that are going to be here in the room with us uh, Wednesday, February the 2nd. We would love for you to come in the room and invest into your marriage. Now, I know that the theaters are opening up just a couple days before that. See, if you were going to theater, you would spend probably more than $20 on that. So what I would say is come to church on that night, sit with your wife, invest into your marriage, the most important relationship that you have, or if you're engaged, this is a great place uh, for you to start with your marriage. You can actually sign up um, for that at the info desk today if you want to be patient and wait out there. Otherwise, you can sign up online on our website. Okay, married couples, thank you. All right, so we will see you. And there, we have childcare available, so there's no excuses to not come out to church on Wednesday, February the 2nd. All right, thanks for coming to church today, and we will see you next Sunday. Oh, I just want to remind you uh, about we're, we're doing um, prayer Thursday mornings during Digging Deep at 6.30 a.m. on Zoom. Now, we had over 30 people with us uh, this last Thursday. Again, you don't have to have your camera on. You probably shouldn't. It's 6.30. <laughs> but join us uh, this 30 at 6.30 a.m. Um, for, you know, digging deep prayer. It'd be a great time. Again, you don't have to have your camera on. I, I was downstairs. I had my camera on. Nicole was up in bed. She had her camera off praying with us in bed. You can do the same this Wednesday. Thanks for coming to church today. We'll see you next Sunday.